Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Welcome to episode 29 of Loving Life at Home. Our topic this week is happiness and contentment. When I look up synonyms for happiness in my handy thesaurus, I find words like contentment, pleasure, satisfaction, cheerfulness, merriment, joy, glee, blitheness, carefreeness, gladness, delight, lightheartedness, well-being, and felicity. These terms can all be used somewhat interchangeably. So when Paul states in Philippians 4.11 that he has learned to be content in whatever circumstance he finds himself, it means that he's satisfied and grateful for what he has has and doesn't waste time longing or pining for something that God has withheld from him. When James tells us in James 1, 2, and 3 to count it all joy when you fall into various trials, he means we should be glad for that opportunity to develop patience and endurance, trusting that God has our spiritual well-being in mind. And when Paul declares in 1 Timothy 6, 6 that godliness with contentment is great gain, he means that trusting Jesus as Lord and being molded into his image brings gladness and delight and satisfaction like nothing else on earth can do. I received a message from one of my readers recently asking for help in this area. She confessed to struggling with unhappiness and discontent and knew that it kept her from being the joyful wife and mother that she longed to be. I would love to be a very happy person again, she wrote. If and when you get this message, could you please point me to scriptures that will help me? Well, I wanted to respond quickly, so I searched for things that I had already written on my blog that might address her question. I found one post on cultivating contentment and another on creating a happy home, and yet another one called Don't Let Anything Steal Your Joy. These were all great articles that address different aspects of this topic, and I'll link them in today's show notes. But when it comes to listing specific scriptures that might help an unhappy or perpetually miserable person find her way out of the pit, I came up empty. It's not that such verses don't exist, they do. It's only that until that moment, I had never taken time to create a list of them. I know lots of people struggle with being happy and joyful and content, so if you are one of them, I pray these thoughts and verses will help you as well. I've grouped them into categories that I call the six simple secrets to lasting happiness. And the first one is that happiness starts with God. God made us. He made our emotions. He gave us the capacity to feel happiness, and He's provided the means by which we can experience happiness both here on earth and throughout eternity. Psalm 28, 7 tells us, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I will trust Him with all my heart. He helps me. My heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Then Zephaniah 3.17, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love, He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And then Psalm 35.9, Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in His salvation. And John 10.10, 10, Jesus tells us, 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about us. The Living Bible translates that last part. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I'm sure non-believers have happy moments, but I have never personally met anybody with a deep abiding sense of joy who does not credit it to a strong personal relationship with their creator. One is a natural outflow of the other. So if you'd like to boost your happiness and contentment, try investing more time in your relationship with God. Pray to Him and read His Word daily. Memorize and meditate on it. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night, writes the psalmist. And then also consider how you can glorify and bring honor to God in everything you do and in everything you say and everything you think and everything you are. In every facet of your being, we want to glorify God. And the basis for that is 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And then the second point is that happiness springs from gratitude. More often than not, unhappy people are ungrateful people and vice versa. They focus on what they don't have instead of being thankful for what they do have. But scripture bids us to live a life marked by gratitude. Listen to these verses, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Or Ephesians 5 verses 18 through 20, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or how about Psalm 95, 1 through 2, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Then Psalm 104 through 5, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. You cannot feel truly grateful and completely miserable at the same time. So rather than enumerating your troubles, practice counting your blessings instead. Maybe you could keep a running list of all God's mercies and blessings and answered prayers in a gratitude journal and offer up sincere prayers of thanksgiving for each one or buy a stack of cards and write notes of thanks to people who have helped you along the way and say thank you in person to those who do kind things for you. Put to death any notions of entitlement and accept every new grace with unmitigated appreciation and delight. My mother did an excellent job of directing me to be grateful for every age and stage that I passed through. She reminded me I would never, ever again get the chance to be 10 or 12 or 20, and she cautioned me not to wish it away. If you spend your time wishing to be old enough to get your ears pierced or to wear makeup or drive a car or date a boy or get married or go to college or whatever else the next big milestone might be, you will completely miss out on all the wonderful opportunities that are available to you in the here and now. I really took that message to heart and carried it with me into adulthood. Now it takes the form of 
two running lists that I keep. One, I call my empty nest list and fill it with all the things that interest me, but that I don't have time to do as a busy homeschooling mom of lots of young children. Things like taking salsa dancing lessons or learning the art of glass blowing or attending seminary or volunteering at the local crisis pregnancy center. I have a full page of things that interested me at one time or another that I just turfed to someday in the future because I know that once I finish raising my children and homeschooling them for decades that I'm going to need something to fill up my time once the last one leaves home. So in coordination with that empty nest list, I also keep what I call my do it now list. And that's full of all the things that I especially enjoy about my children's growing up years. And I want to treasure while I still have the opportunity to do so, like reading aloud to my children or cuddling my babies or baking cookies together or actually setting aside whatever I'm working on to pay attention when those little ones call mom, mom, watch this. I've created pretty templates for each of these lists that you can download and use while completing your own list of ideas if that appeals to you. And I'll link those printables in today's show notes. But a similar idea might be useful for single girls. Why not make a list of things that you're looking forward to someday doing as a wife and mother and another list of things that you can do and learn and work on now that might be harder for you to attend to once you have a family of your own demanding so much of your time and attention. A few ideas that definitely would have made my list as a single girl, learning to sew and to do other handcrafts, attending homeschool conventions, which I actually did before I was ever even married or had children, I was going to homeschool conventions because I knew that was something I was interested in. And I'm glad that I did it while I had time in college because once I got married, we started having children right away and I certainly didn't have much time to attend those kind of conferences for many years thereafter. Then also reading lots of books that addressed various aspects of homemaking that interested me, studying the Bible in depth, filling up a hope chest with hand crocheted baby blankets and other handmade household items. If I had it to do over again, I probably would have spent a little time learning to cook before I had a family to feed of my own as well. And then the third area is happiness sees the good. Focus on the positive. Look on the bright side and search for that silver lining. Resolve to maintain a cheerful disposition in whatever circumstances you find yourself, just like Paul said that he did. Philippians 4.8 tells us, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any worthy of praise, think on these things. Or Ephesians 5, 8 through 9. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Or how about Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And, of course, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever 
where the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Martha Washington once observed that the greater part of our misery or unhappiness is determined not by our circumstance, but by our disposition. And Abraham Lincoln later echoed that. He's credited with saying that most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. So one practical way that you can make up your mind to be happy is by also making up your mind to be careful about what you consume. I came to the point fairly early in our marriage that I had to stop watching the evening news. It's a proven fact that bad news sells better than good news, and so newsrooms and newspapers alike provide a steady diet of alarming stories and heinous crimes and other crises which not only keep consumers coming back for more, but also keeps them in a constant state of panic or fear or outrage, which is as bad for our physical health as it is for our emotional well-being. So for several decades now, I've used World Magazine to stay abreast of current world events and cultural trends, and more recently, World Watch News to do the same with my children. I'll include links for both of those in today's show notes. They do a great job of summarizing the biggest news stories of the day from a Christian worldview, along with a faithful reminder that whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. But mainstream news media are not the only problem. The increased and addictive use of social media has also been linked to skyrocketing rates of mental health issues, including anxiety and depression, as it fosters unhealthy comparisons and a fear of missing out. This is especially harmful to children and teens, but adults can certainly fall prey to it as well. So don't spend your life scrolling. Get outside. Enjoy the beauty of God's creation. Spend time with family members and friends in face-to-face conversations and interactions. Read the Bible and other uplifting books and focus on the good. And avoid any book or movie genres or social media accounts that send you spiraling into some pit or tempt you to dwell on the opposite of the true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good, and virtuous things that God calls us to focus on. The writer of Hebrews understood the importance of avoiding negative influences when he wrote, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Then the fourth point I want to make is that happiness says no to grudges. Nothing edges happiness out of a heart faster than bitterness and resentment. And few things will lighten your load like letting go of past hurts and fully forgiving offenders. Mark eleven twenty five tells us, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone... Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And Ephesians 4, 31 through 32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Or how about Colossians 3, 12 through 14? So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And the last one I'm going to quote, although there's many, many more, Matthew 6, 14 through 15, 
For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Happiness and bitterness cannot coexist in the same person. Contentment and resentment are polar opposites. So whether for major offenses or minor irritations, be quick to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged you. Do not harbor grudges or give place to resentment because doing so will steal your joy. If you struggle with the idea of forgiveness or think that forgiving somebody is equivalent to approving of their past misdeeds, it's not, or requires canceling out all the consequences, it doesn't, and you couldn't even if you tried, then you may want to go back and listen to episode 11, which I'll link in today's show notes, on forgiving others fully and freely. Then the fifth area that can significantly impact our happiness is that of service. Happiness serves others gladly. Deep, abiding joy does not focus on what others can do for me, but on what I can do for others. A happy heart is one that is serving the Lord and serving the people that God brings into our lives. That's why the Bible tells us to serve the Lord with gladness, come before Him with joyful singing, Psalm 102. Or whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, Colossians 3, 23. Or how about serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, Galatians 5, 13 through 14. Or Peter 410, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. When it comes to serving others, if you are a wife or mother, you have built-in others to think about. Ask God to help you tend to their needs with a glad and grateful heart. Recognize that relationships take work and do it heartily, knowing that God loves a cheerful giver and He loves one who serves cheerfully as well. I'm giving this same talk at a mother-daughter retreat over the weekend, and over half the attendees are presently unmarried. And I'll tell you the same thing that I'm telling them. If you are currently single or you don't have children, you should serve the people God puts right in front of you. But realize when you do that you're not just helping those folk in the here and now, but you are also making wise use of your waiting time to develop skills and abilities which will eventually help you serve your future family better as well. For example, when I was in high school, I dated a boy who swore he would never allow his wife to cut his son's hair because he wasn't very fond of the haircuts his own mother had given him while he was growing up. Well, I thought that was a ridiculous stance to take, but his adamancy on this issue motivated me to learn how to cut hair before I ever got married because I wanted a big family and I knew that money spent on haircuts could really add up over time. So while I was in college, I offered to give free haircuts to any of the guys on campus who were willing to let me practice my barbering skills on them. And believe it or not, I had lots of takers for that offer. So for all three years that I attended Dallas Baptist University, I'd set up shop in the co-ed a couple of evenings every month and give free haircuts to a dozen or more of my fellow students who would not have otherwise been able to afford them. In fact, one of the very first conversations I ever had with the man I eventually married was in that same co-ed when Doug saw me cutting hair and asked if he could be next. And I told him I'd be happy to cut his hair, but he would have to 
to get in line, which he didn't. I guess he wasn't really that interested in meeting me. He says he was, but he gave up awfully fast that first time. Then the last time I added it up, I've saved my family over $50,000 by cutting my husband's and all of our son's and now even grandson's hair at home. My husband no longer has me cut his hair because when he's ready for a haircut, he wants it right then and there. But I still cut even several of the grown sons that have moved away from home, especially the ones that live uh, close by, will come back and let me cut their hair and let me cut their little boy's hair and trim their girl's hair too and their wife's hair when they need it. So I'm still saving money for our family that way. That's just one example where I was able to serve others even while I was single in a way that better prepared me to serve my own family when the time came. And that brings me to my last point. Number six, happiness strives toward the goal. The Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Then Philippians 3, 13 through 14 tells us one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And James 1.12, blessed, or as the Amplified Version translates it, happy, spiritually prosperous, and favored by God is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So keep an eternal perspective. Don't let doubts or discouragements cloud your perception. Don't let anything distract you from tending to those things that really matter most. If you want more happiness out of life, these are the principles that you'll need to practice to find it, along with the scriptures that back them up. I consider my Myself an extremely happy person, and these are my secrets to maintaining a joyful outlook. And I hope that you will apply them to your own life as well, and that by so doing, you will find your contentment and happiness and joy for living, multiplying more than you ever thought possible. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.